Hello and welcome to the Seeking Health Podcast. I'm Josiah. And I'm Jessica. We were missionaries for seven years. Until we stepped back in 2019 to seek health and re-examine our beliefs. We deconstructed together and became ex-evangelicals. And I became an agnostic. And then, in August 2021, I had a powerful spiritual experience with Jesus. And now we are reconstructing together. together. Listen to some of our key episodes, such as... Deconstructing Together. The Cult of ATI Part 1 and 2. A seedling takes root, which is my testimony. And join us as we seek health together. (laughs) (laughs) So something that's been important for both of us for different reasons has been seeing God in a different way. Yeah, different perspective. Which has been interesting because all the words are basically the same, but what they mean is different. Yeah. It actually, like, an image that I often get in my mind is a few years ago, we were at a rental house and Jedediah, one of our kids, um, cut an apple and it was cut in pieces, but he's, he left the apple altogether. So it still looked whole, but then he took out one piece in the back that he ate and the apple still looked whole. And from the perspective of where I was sitting at the table, the ha- the apple looked a certain way it looked whole but then the other perspective you know there was a piece out and I don't know like I often think about that image because it's all about perspective Mm -hmm. it's all about perspective and yeah and your worldview and that image is just stuck in my mind for two years now and Mm -hmm. when you bring up like even talking about the kindness of God and and just having a different perspective of God through this reconstruction deconstruction and reconstruction journey it that's what it is like the words can be the same but you view it from a completely different side of it and it's it's just so fascinating how as we kind of reconstruct and recognize like as we're seeking health like seeking health left led us out of the church for a while but now like i'll just speak for myself i'm not healthy without the church without god and i'm finding i'm finding parts of myself come back alive and finding healing as I come back in and all these things are true it's true that Jesus loves me it's true that I need fellowship it's true that I need people it's true (laughs) that you know that singing worship with these these lyrics you know like those are all things that I need but those are also things that can and have been thrown in my face as um, things to hold me captive so it's just interesting how like the, the words can be the same, but the meaning can be completely different. Yeah. Like how, what was the image of God that, that you were raised with? I'll put you on the spot. <laughs> and how has that changed? This is a big question, but we'll just start with that. How, what image of God and quote unquote God's love were you raised with? Right. So like for me, reconstructing God's love, Jesus's love has been the huge, huge thing mm-hmm. that like Jesus is love that's just huge to me that's new to me because my image of god before is a god up there up in heaven Mm -hmm. far away who's watching me judging me looking at sin i'm doing wrong and he's angry and he's gonna punish me Mm -hmm. and that's the view of god that i had so to change that to a view of jesus is right here with me and he is love and he is not angry that I went off track for a while. 
he is not angry that I was angry. <laughs> mm-hmm. He is not looking to punish me. He just wants me to come home. Mm-hmm. That's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that's just extremely different perspective of it. Um, I read a quote, a book recently, and in it, it talked about how um, we inflicted our own punishment, like our own hell on mm. ourselves. And Jesus is love. He's not looking for us to come home so that he can punish us. He's looking for us to come home so that we can be free from the punishment we brought on ourselves. And I thought, wow, that is so powerful. Mm -hmm. That is just so beautiful. Because really, like, I've been through a path that was extremely dark and hard and harsh. And coming to this Jesus of love that is a completely different Jesus than what I knew before. Mm -hmm. It takes away that punishment I brought on myself. Or like, not that punishment, but you know, that... The, the difficulties, the, the hell. Yeah. And I've said before that I felt like we let, I lived through hell for a while. Mm-hmm. I've actually used those words before. And coming to Jesus has taken a lot of that anger away and a lot of that. Like, it's just brought peace and it's brought comfort. And it's just, it's not the same Jesus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because it isn't. Yeah. And I hear you often making this shift of, you'll say God and then you'll say, I mean, Jesus. Yes. I mean, Jesus. Is that... Is that significant to you that it's it Jesus is. instead of God? Because it's easier to think of God out there, far mm-hmm. away, and God the Father. Yeah. Also, whereas Jesus came to earth, Jesus was human, like yeah. me, and Jesus can be here with me. Mm-hmm. It's, it is significant. Yeah. And that's really significant. I, I experienced that, too, of the internal critic. Yeah. And that hell that you lived through of, I mean, really, ha- really being told God is angry and God is nitpicking and God is, nitpicking is maybe the wrong word, but like God is focused on your sins. And then that creates this internal critic, which not just an internal critic, but also believing that this is like the voice of God or something that like you are wicked, you are a sinner, you are bad all the time. And that just becomes such a, a hurtful thing like that just eats you up inside very but it's very normal like that's kind of how that that's the normal experience that a lot of people consider christianity to be yeah is the gospel yeah you're evil you're wrong you're sinful you're inherently bad but jesus hides you god hides mm-hmm. you with jesus sacrifice the bloody mess on the cross so now when he looks down from heaven Instead of seeing your wickedness, he sees Jesus. Mm-hmm. Where does that leave you? That leaves you hidden yeah. and buried yeah. and gross and terrible and nasty. Yeah. <laughs> that's not a good view. And, and in that view, anybody that says that, and by the way, that's a very American way of telling the gospel. And it has this whole history through the revival movements. It. It has gone global, but it's very American how that's presented. And a lot of theologians aren't really happy with it. But, you know, I think the bigger story of Christianity is you were made in God's image. You know, that is the story of the Old Testament. That is the Jewish way of seeing it is we are divine. We have divinity within us. And yes, we fell, but we are restored. And so like like a vase that's beautiful that falls and you're like, man, that used to be so beautiful, but we can glue it back together. That's maybe a bad example, but 
like, like this this gospel image that that we've been told like there's nothing about you no right no and that that's often repeated in sermons like there's nothing good in you yeah and cherry pick a few verses out of the old testament about like the heart is deceitful of all things and there's nothing good in you that gets repeated over and over the only good thing is jesus it leaves such an angry view of god yeah and in this book I was reading it, again about the gospel that by Braxy KB called Reunion, um, it talks about how our identity is no longer with Adam. Our identity is mm. with Christ, with Jesus. And I thought, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like I was taught an identity that was with Adam, sinful. Like That's broke. really powerful. I know. It's like, no, our identity is no longer with Adam. Our identity is with Christ. We are saved. We are forgiven. We're made in God's image. We are good. Right. Because Jesus loves us and because we're good. And when God looks at us, we are in Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. And so when God looks at us, the same way that God loves Jesus, he loves us. Mm -hmm. Because we're in Jesus now. Mm -hmm. Our identity is with Jesus. So God doesn't see wicked Adam. Mm-hmm. He sees his his son, his daughter, mm-hmm. that is in Jesus, whom he loves. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's so powerful. And I'm thinking, as you're talking, I'm thinking, yeah, that's what is that is the that's what the Bible says. Yes, like, but Jesus was the first. I firstborn. didn't know that before. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus was the firstborn of many brethren and sistren. Like we're all a family now as we get born into Jesus, and God loves all His family yeah. in this special way. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just an amazing different perspective. I mean, it makes me feel like, gosh, I wasn't a Christian before because I didn't see it this way. Mm-hmm. It's not how I was taught to see it. Yeah. And I didn't see it like that. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's not the same thing at all. It's incredible. Like it, Yeah. And like the old way of seeing it is so much like it, it there's a group here. We're part of the group. And there's rules and you got to follow the, the rules of the group and there's control and there's, you know, the church building as much as we say church isn't about the building. It is about that versus seeing ourselves as part of this different family yeah, and seeing Jesus in a different way. And even to be able to continuing that thought, like to see now that we are this family, we it's important that community is important, mm-hmm. you know, and I know our own families are kind of broken and many other people have earthly families that are broken. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I acknowledge that, but in a typical good family, you stay in touch. You do have some squibbles and you have to communicate and you, and it's like, it's going to be like that with Jesus family too. Like we're all different. You know, I look at all my siblings and I have six siblings and we're all different, but we can still, communicate we can still have memories we can you know so in jesus family it's like that too we don't all need to be the same Mm -hmm. but we can accept each other and support each other in our own journeys Mm -hmm. and yeah and getting back to this idea of love the kindness of god um that's something that was relevant for me actually kind of at the beginning of my journey as i started pursuing health and realizing that what I had been given as love, because my parents would say over and over, we love you, we love you. And even in like some of the emails that they gave, you know, basically while they were abusing me, they would say, I love you. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's like, how do you go from that? Well, then, then when, you know, the verse God is love, it's like, well, what does that even mean? Yeah. 
does that mean you have to do what I say or else I'll abandon you? Right. Because that's what I was told over and over by my parents. That's how you were shown. That's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, does it mean your life is nothing? It's just to serve me? Does it mean I'll give you the things you need when it's convenient for me? You know, does that, is that what love means? Yeah. And um, because that's, you know, we... Some of us words were... hold a lot of meaning yeah and that meaning is going to be a bit different for each person mm -hmm. and sometimes you just have to those words really have to be deconstructed yeah <laughs> and reconstructed or new words found I yeah. mean, you brought up this subtopic topic for today a podcast like the kindness of god and to me right away that means the love of god yeah but for you it's helpful and to differentiate it a little bit and calling it the kindness of god yeah Whereas I don't, I, I need the love. Yeah. And that's fine. <laughs> and that's great. Yeah. Exactly. And we're not going to argue about the words mm -hmm. because this is what we each need. And God is big enough to meet all of our needs more than the words, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it, that's an interesting side topic, just how words have histories. And when you have a personal history with a word, you're going to have a reaction to it. It's going to mean something different to you. Yeah. And we need to be cautious and conscious of that. That's why maybe that's part of why Paul said, don't quibble about words. Yeah. You know, it's a trap. Don't get too stuck on words. Um, the the verse about uh, love, first Corinthians or the chapter love chapter, first Corinthians 13. It was really powerful for me one time because we're all familiar with it. We kind of zone out a little bit when you start reading love is patient, love is kind. You know, it's like, OK, whatever, <laughs> all that good stuff. It's interesting to put that in reverse. Hmm. Um, the opposite of patience is impatience. The opposite of kind is unkind. Hmm. So what is unloving? Right. Then it helps you realize someone can say they love you, but if they do the opposite of that chapter, yeah, that's not love. That's not love. So here, I wrote it out here. An unloving person is impatient, unkind, jealous, boastful, proud, rude. He demands his own way. He is irritable. He keeps a long record of being wronged. He is unjust and does not want the truth to come out. An evil person, an unloving person will give up on you, lose faith on you, in you, destroy your hope and disappear in hard times. <laughs> That's really powerful to look at it from the flip perspective like that. And it's a fair, that is, fair one to do. <laughs> that is what the Bible says. Yep. So question for you. If you hold a you, mirror to it. If you hold it, <laughs> that's the mirror. That's the opposite, right? Which of these words would have applied to the vision of God that you were raised with? Right. Well, a bunch. <laughs> I mean, yeah, let me just read this again uh, quickly. But like the one that sticks out to me is destroy your hope and disappear in hard times. Yeah. That's. That's not love, and that leaves me abandoned and alone without hope. Mm -hmm. And that's what I struggled for years. I felt hopeless. I felt zero hope for the future. Yeah. I mean, it led to societal ideation, really, because there's nothing to look forward to. Mm -hmm. Like, complete pessimist <laughs> in a very negative way. Because yeah. you just, if every good thing gets bashed, yeah. your hope destroyed about it, at some point, what's left? Yeah. And the thing, yeah, I hear that. And that's really, God is so much more than that. Yeah. I think. Yep. The thing that 
that stands out to me from that is just this image of like, I'll forgive you once, maybe twice, but you better come back quick. Yeah. <laughs> like if you keep on walking away from me at a certain point, the door is going to be shut. You're done. And you're done. Yep. And that's the sort of attitude that has at certain times kept me from God because I'm like, have I gone over the line? Right. Like how many times can I mess up before the foot drops? And you tend to beat yourself up, like to cause yourself to be so contrite, to to mm -hmm. um, punish yourself so much that God will take you back. Yeah. To make yourself seem so evil and repentant. Yeah. When you don't need to do that for mm -hmm. him to take you back. Just mm -hmm. the, the story of the prodigal son is told to just, no matter what you've done, just come home. Yeah. Yeah. And just thinking of God. Um, how does the re how does this actually go? Love is God is patient. God is kind because God is love. God is all these things. God is patient. He's kind. He's not jealous. He does not brag. He's not arrogant. He's not seeking his own benefit. I think that's something really powerful too. Like we think of God does all things for his glory. You know, this it's preached and the idea is really like we're there to give our lives for him. But how much does God well, care God for us? God gave us life. If you give a good gift to your child, you don't want them just to put it on the shelf and never use it. You know, right. like for Christmas, okay, I can say because our kids won't listen to this podcast, but we're giving an What's it called? Oculus, Oculus to one kid. Okay, he he's going to be thrilled. So what if he's so thrilled about it and so thankful for it that he just puts the box on the shelf and never uses it? Mm -hmm. Because he doesn't want to mess up. Well, that would take all our joy out of it. Mm -hmm. God gave us life. He gave us life to enjoy it. Not to make make us mart mart martyrs. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Not for us to sacrifice our whole life yet yes i i want to live for jesus i want to get to know him more and more through my life but through my life mm -hmm. <laughs> you know not sacrificing my life aside like he's he gave us life to enjoy it yeah he's given us all things richly to enjoy yeah and there's this constant like threat or or hunger or there's this temptation towards religion and religious way of being that's like, here's the rules and it's strict and it's angry and we keep going this direction. Yeah. The more we put rules, the more we feel like we're earning our salvation and, and <laughs> or it's deserving. Just, I mean, I think that's what Jesus came to abolish. More and more I'm realizing that the heart of Jesus' message is what he said against the Pharisees. He came to be the end of religion. The end of religion. Not yes. to create one of the world's largest religions mm -hmm. <laughs> i mean it's like where did we go wrong go wrong somewhere because <laughs> he came to be the end of religion yeah. he came into the jewish lifestyle where there was human uh, human sacrifice <laughs> animal sacrifices <laughs> and all these things that had to be done all these and and he came and he was the end he was the last sacrifice that was needed like he mm. was the end of the religion yeah and we created another religion so to go back to the freedom that we have in jesus that's pretty amazing mm -hmm. so why do you think there's such a hunger for 
legalism and rules. Because I feel like it's not just as though there's one or two angry white men that are pushing this on the rest of everybody. No, it's a majority. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like because I I kind of was that guy to some extent for some times. Yeah. Um, Maybe a few times. (laughs) Not too often. Um, But people like it. Yeah. And the more rules and the more anger, the more they like it. And if you've ever preached a sermon, which you haven't because you're a woman. I know. Another topic. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Big one. (laughs) But you can tell when people are like, yeah, preach it. Even if they don't, you know, they're white, so they don't say, yeah, preach it. But um, (laughs) you can tell, right? And and if you are that sort of person, you can you can preach to what they want to hear. And the more rules and the more anger, the more you talk about God's wrath, the more people like it and the more they're happy. So why is that? Why do people want to have more rules? Well, one thing I, I've thought of a few things is you're talking about one of them is I heard someone recently say that that type of preaching is the gift of an evangelist. Okay. <laughs> Which I'm like, no, it's not. Okay. I was like, what? <laughs> That's just a really harsh view of Jesus and God. Like it, it and that was promoted uh, a few decades ago through like Josh, um, uh, Jonathan Edwards and right. the fire and hailstorm, <laughs> not hailstorm, but you know, brimstone, brimstone yeah. sermon, and that was elevated to like yeah. gold status, yeah. um, and that has continued yeah. in many places. And it's like the more. It's like, if we can put in more anger, then it's more powerful. It's more true. It's more God's word of mm-hmm. authority. It has more authority to it. Come to Jesus! You mm-hmm. know? But it, and I think in a way is that it gives us the power because it, it just says what you need to do. So now it's laid out black and white. So we can judge others mm-hmm. and be like, oh, we're better than them. Mm-hmm. And we can judge ourselves like, okay, well, I'm here on this mountain climbing and I just need to go a few more steps and I'll be this much higher into reaching Jesus. Mm -hmm. But like, we don't need to climb the mountain to find God because he came down the mountain to meet us. Yeah. But we always think of it as a a climb, a journey. It's our journey, right? Mm -hmm. We always talk about it, the journey to God. Mm -hmm. And it, we don't need a journey to God. He's already, he's already with us. But I think that legalism just... <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny, like, there's a certain person that used to often ask me, like, how's your walk with Jesus? It'd be interesting to say it's done. <laughs> <laughs> He's already here. <laughs> like, I'm done. I'm totally keeping that one in mind for next time. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, I think legalism just gives a clear-cut, black-and-white way to live and... We all like that mm-hmm. in a way because it it makes it easier to know where we're at and where others are at yeah. and how to judge ourselves and judge others. Mm-hmm. But life is not black and white, yeah. so you can't... <laughs> and Jesus came to be the end of religion and he came to bring freedom. There's no longer slaves or master. There's no longer male or female. There's no longer, you know, all these things. And that's freedom. He's bringing us all equality and freedom. Mm-hmm. And now adding these rules brings us back to bondage. But there's a certain peace that some people get from that bondage. Yeah. I was thinking like, like as 
creators, uh, content creators, and as public speakers, like we're all merchants of serotonin. We're all giving people this fix in some way of like that little happy feeling that you get. And you can get that happy feeling from feeling like you're right, feeling like uh, you're angry at, at social injustice and the bad guys are losing. You can get that feeling from something terrible happening in a movie, but then it resolves. There's all sorts of different, different ways that you can get that little serotonin, like, ah, oh, okay, it's good. And I think that that Hellfire Brimstone type stuff is appealing for all whole, whole bunch of reasons like that, but also because it's like, it's terrible, terrible, terrible. Come to Jesus, you go to the altar, and they say your sins are forgiven. You're like, oh, wow. It's such a relief, right? And it feels like, wow, I did I did the thing. For the preacher, also, or the church, it's like, okay, we got another person saved. For sure. And it's an. I think it's a very normal desire that all humanity has to want a higher purpose in life. Yeah. So that's kind of one way that some people have figured out to fill that higher purpose. Mm-hmm. And there's... That would be an be interesting to read a book on the history of revivals because it's a very recent thing there there weren't revivals in the early church (laughs) this is a recent thing and revivals actually it's it's a long history but mostly it's an american thing of individuals who are charismatic who take a bunch of people that are already christians already going to church anglican lutheran catholic get them all in a field in a tent and then everybody listens to this hellfire brimstone sermon. They all come forward and they become uh, what would it be? that Method- version. <laughs> it would be Methodist or it would be like a different type of Christian, mm-hmm. right? But they have this <laughs> different type of Christian, right? And, and they would it's say, true. "Well, it, right. now, now I'm a Christian for the first time." But like they were Christians before, this revival experience is just—it's a transition to something else with less oversight. It's a oversight. high, yeah. But. The point is this Jonathan Edwards type sermon became very, very effective because that's a good way to get a whole bunch of people down the aisle to say this prayer, to have these results, to have these big meetings, to have all this energy behind you. You got it. You can't just say, hey, God loves you. Have a good day. (laughs) That's not going to work, right? It's not going to create the hype. It's not going to create the buzz. And there's all this energy behind this kind of revivalistic preaching and it's all hinged on all this fear and anger yeah and that does great results and you know what people's some people's lives do get changed from that type of preaching and that kind of well, message. god can work through god anything. can work through anything that's tough yeah <laughs> but when that becomes then the norm and that's our basis that we always come back to over and over and that becomes our our vision of ourselves and that becomes our vision of god that creates well, it brings us right back to legalism. Yeah. And I think you have to be really careful about this kind of sermon because, and teaching because there are kids around mm-hmm. and that influences their basic core yes. identity of themselves and who God is. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened with me. I mean, I remember sitting at the table studying the Jonathan Edwards fire and hell brimstone yeah. sermon mm-hmm. extensively day after day. It was pretty crazy. It was like yeah. the standard of what sermons should be. And that established the image of God that I had. Mm-hmm. And still to this day, now that I've like come to know the love of Jesus and that Jesus is love, then if I hear a sermon like that, it is hard. Like I heard one a while back and I just sobbed and mm-hmm. sobbed and sobbed and had to walk out because it 
not because I was been convicted, yeah. but because I was like, I can't go back to that kind of view of God. I can't go back to that bondage. Like that is not, I cannot, I cannot go back to that. Yeah. I have found love in Jesus and I cannot go back to this idea of God up high there in heaven waiting to judge me and the fear of God must be in you. But I'm like, I'm not afraid of God because I love God and he's right here with me through Jesus. And, and no, I will not be afraid of God. Yeah. And I know, again, we're getting into different meanings of the words. Mm -hmm. Some people see fear of God as a good thing. I do not see fear of God as a good thing at all. Um, it's, I could never go to a church that preaches consistently like that. Mm -hmm. Like it, It's just, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, that whole different view of God and kindness of God, love of God. It's very different than the fear of God. Yeah, and when you think of it through the lens, you know, as, I don't know if your parents said this, but my parents would often say, well, when you're a parent, you'll understand. <laughs> and now we're parents and we're like, oh, I understand. You were so messed up. You were so messed up. So messed up. <laughs> I could never parent like you did. <laughs> I was right all along. You shouldn't have been doing that. <laughs> Lo and behold. Um, Did you try telling them that? <laughs> you know what? I should. That would fix everything. <laughs> They'd be like, oh, we were wrong. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, they would just acknowledge and accept it, right? <laughs> oh, oh, where is going God. with this? Sorry. Um, like, God is a father. I'm a father. He's and a mother, too. He's a mother, too. <laughs> He mothers his, um, there's lots of... He's a single parent. He does both. <laughs> okay. Sidetracked. Sidetracked. Um, good topics, but... God is a father. The way that I parent my kids is very different than how a lot of people see God. Yeah. Like, sure, I, there is punishment. Sometimes I get angry, um... And sometimes I get angry at their their sins or, you know, their misbehaving. Sin is a, another word that's a little bit hard to use. But, like, th there is some amount of correction, but it's got to match the crime. And it's always... <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's always got to match. Like, I mean, you, you have a little bit of a time out. You, you talk, usually we just talk it through with the kids. Yeah. Usually that's all it takes. You know, our kids want to please us and, and they're not really bad. They just both want the same toy at the same time. But when you look at, you know, how angry and, you know, God's just killing people and, and all these. Because sin is sin. It doesn't you know, matter if you lied or if you committed adultery or if you murdered someone. The punishment is the same. Yeah, hey. That's scary. It is scary. So... Um, just pointing out here that uh, let, let me wrap that up to say just a question like how does that compare to like how does looking at God as an actual parent change our view of him so much I feel like a lot of my growth in faith which actually led to my deconstruction and then now reconstruction has been because of my kids mm -hmm. like they have brought me a lot of healing just by being themselves and being at certain ages where I remember st where I have very strong memories that were very harsh 
um, and difficult and to realize I couldn't do that to them. Mm -hmm. I couldn't parent like that. And, and then even to see if, if this is how I, how much I love my kids, even when they drive me crazy every single day, Mm -hmm. then how can I, how can we view God as this mean, angry God way up there waiting to drop the hammer on me and punish me and like how how that doesn't make any sense I mean he's I'm not even perfect and he's perfect yeah so (laughs) how could you be a better parent than God when God is love yeah (laughs) because the way that I would see God before it's basically the worst most abusive dysfunctional parent in the world (laughs) it's like how wrong and sad is that yeah yeah, and I, th- I mean, these are big topics, but the way, like, it is interesting to think about the fact that there's many views on hell. There's many views on original sin. And both of us have kind of been taught there's one way to think of it. Yeah. And all sin is the same, and we're all terrible sinners. Well, you know, not all Christians believe that, and it's pretty hard to get that doctrine out of the Bible. Um Especially the prophets towards the end of the Old Testament were very clear. They were very, there's a lot of judgments on the wealthy who were oppressing the poor. Um, Jesus seems to have Proverbs where the poor people just go to heaven. doesn't make any sense. They're just poor, so they go to heaven. (laughs) It doesn't, you know, fit with our theology. But um, anyways, uh, getting back to parenting, you know, the way that we ourselves were parented, if we don't process that, is going to affect how we see God yeah. and then how we parent and the traumas that we go through in our lives. I mean, our parents and grandparents and great grandparents went through things like world war one, world war two, the great depression. How much did that affect their view of the world? Yeah. How much did that affect, you know, how they view God and how they parented? Yeah. So we do what we can to change that Yeah. for ourselves and with, for others. Mm-hmm. I definitely recommend a few books. Like Bruxy Cavey has two books, The End of Religion and Reunion. And those two were so good at, at just embracing the love of Jesus. And um, Rachel Held Evans, Searching for Sunday. And she has a couple other books too. I forget the name right now, but just so good at like Jesus' love and not this harsh father watching from far away waiting to punish you i mean this brings me back to the prodigal son story yeah that jesus told right mm-hmm. <laughs> i yeah. mean jesus told the story of a prodigal son who takes all the a bunch of money from his dad and leaves and parties and does everything wrong and he comes back wanting to just be his servant the father's servant but the father's servant is waiting for him watching for him he sees him he runs out to him and he accepts him embraces him and throws a party mm-hmm. how can we view a god differently than that this yeah. is the example that jesus gave us mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, how much does that say about god mm-hmm. that he's waiting for us to come home and it doesn't matter what we've done he just wants us to come home yeah. and he'll throw a big party and be happy and celebrate. Mm-hmm. No punishment. Yeah. It's like there's two different versions of what God is like. And Jesus is trying to save us from the other one. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. That's why I came because that's what happened to me. 
Yeah. I was safe from that other version. Mm-hmm. You know, one last thing before we wrap up. I just feel like for Christians, oddly enough, it's so odd because we worship Jesus, God is love, and yet when you start talking about love too much, Christians get uncomfortable. Like when you say, like, you got to just love people. Like, just stop judging people. Get out there and love people. There's like all these stock phrases that Christians have memorized almost like, well, love the sinner, but hate the sin. Um, Love doesn't mean that just anything goes. Uh, God loves you like you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. Like, well, first of all, how do those kind of things, how do those statements kind of sit with you? And why do you think that we are so resistant to love? It, those statements are very judgmental. And those statements are like, we say one thing, but we mean something else. Mm-hmm. And honestly, as a whole, Christians are not known for their love. Yeah. And that's extremely sad because that's a whole message of Jesus. He, he summarized the whole Bible with love God and love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. Yeah. That's love. And we're not known for our love. Yeah. We're known for everything that we're against. Jesus didn't come to teach us to be against everything. Anti-gay, anti-abortion, anti-liberals, uh, anti... No, Jesus came to be pro-someone, <laughs> Jesus, mm-hmm. not against anti-everything. Yeah. So to to claim to love and then w- put conditions to it, that's not love. Love is unconditional. Yeah. That's like... If there's conditions and you're only loved within this box, that's not love. That's a reward for being in the box. Right. Yes, exactly. That's like, that's a different thing. Like if like you're an employee. Like sit here while I cut your hair and I'll give you some candies. That's what I did today. Yeah. So when my kid, like, I don't know, that's not love. Like it. Yeah. Uh, that's just, I mean, I'm an employee. I go to work and I do the things and then they pay me. It's not a gift. It's not because they love it's you. It's not grace. <laughs> it's not love. It's not because they love you that they pay you. It's money. a reward. It's exactly. A, you know, if I just met somebody on the street and they're like, you know what? I'm going to give you $1,000 and give you a big hug because you're beautiful or whatever. <laughs> like, that would be like, wow, that's a gift. I don't. But when it's only, you know, we love you as long as but you stay within this box and you're straight and you don't have an abortion and you vote the right way and you do all these things. Is that really love or is that conditional Right. on being in our group and being part of our group and following the rules of our group? And Exactly. Wouldn't it be amazing if Christians actually didn't judge people? I can't imagine a world like that. Me neither. But that's sad. It would be amazing. It would be amazing. Wouldn't it be amazing if Christians just were known as the people of love? Yeah. And they just love people. Yeah. And if you looked at somebody and were like, why are they just, they're just loving people. They're just being kind to people, showing up when people are hurting, caring for people. And they don't judge. People don't follow their values, but they still show up and care for them. They still love them. Yeah. That'd be cool. And sometimes I find that Christians will do that more to people outside the church yeah. to get them in. Yeah. But once you're in, you can lose that love because now you have to conform. Yeah. So you can be gay and we'll love you. But if you start to become a regular church attendee and member of our church, uh, that love is going to become conditional on you not acting on being gay or 
going through conversion therapy or not ever being in any leadership role or you know so that's sad too like we should love people within our own family spiritual family even more <laughs> it, or as much as mm-hmm. the others because even if we love others that are outside of church more than ones inside and that means it's still conditional we're loving you more because we're trying to win you mm-hmm. over yeah. <laughs> so yes we should follow jesus example and if we truly follow jesus then we should love yeah and love is a complete sentence love is a it complete is. command you can just say love people you don't have to say love people, but make sure they're following the rules. Yeah, exactly. People. And I yeah. think that that is just, maybe that's a great place to end it. It's just that's God's heart. It's God's heart. And I think there's a revival. I know we kind of use that word in a rude way, but there is a grassroots movement pushing towards that, a return to yeah. Jesus' love. And I think as a big picture our culture is getting past a generational trauma that still is from world war ii i think yeah and i think as the millennials and as gen z i think slowly recovers from that and i think as a gen as a culture we're getting to therapy we're getting healthier that's got to change our view of god yeah and i it will help. i see that as a good thing yeah and it is helping I we are it seeing is. it yeah. yeah cool great conversation thank you well let's wrap it up there and uh have a good day have a good day bye <laughs>